Hallelujah. Uh, let's just look at him for a few minutes. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. Sing it with me. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we Our affection, our devotion Poured out on the feet of Jesus Our affection, our devotion Poured out on the feet of Jesus, our affection, our devotion, poured out on the feet of Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one heart to Amen, amen. We just tuck ourselves into you, God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Good morning, beloved. Let me look at your beautiful faces. Oh, you are loved. So good. Have you been enjoying the school so far? Yay. Hello. How lovely, how lovely. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Well, wasn't what last night wonderful? Oh, it was wonderful. I love Sarah so much. She's amazing. She is just truly amazing. And, um, but it, uh, just a, a quick point I think was really interesting, just talking with some people. And um, so someone asked, you know, what did you see last night in the activations? And I was like, you really want to know? <laughs> and so for me, I, you know, I was, God just took me into an encounter and I went to Vanuatu and Bougainville and Morocco. And, and I realized, you know, the reaction made me think, I think it's really important that 
people realize you don't have to be the same as me or the same as Sarah. Or there's some people that are they're they're just mystical seers, and you don't have to be that in order to be prophetic. You know, um, and you don't have to think, well, I don't do that. I must not be prophetic. That's just that's just the way God sometimes works with me but um, I think it's really important that we don't exalt things to make it sound like well I'm more prophetic than you are because I have encounters like this and that is not that is not true not at all God is just looking for you to be who you are and he desires that all should prophesy hallelujah and that um, that one gift can't be compared to another gift and um, we can with the prophetic sometimes you can we can be very tempted to put it on a pedestal and go oh they're the prophet when actually every one of us is as Christ is and we have the fullness of him living in us and if we if we start to exalt gifts and people with gifts it can make us feel somehow inadequate but remember i read that scripture at the beginning um on uh, Thursday night from 1 Corinthians 12, how there's all different parts of the body, arms, hands, legs, eyes, and you can't say one's more important than the other because you need every single part of the body, right? Um, But I think that it is very important that we understand that when we're talking prophetic, um, we don't make you feel like you have to be a certain way. You don't have to change to become prophetic God likes you the way you are, and he's created every one of you with the mind of Christ and the capacity to prophesy. He just wants you to stir up the gifts that are within you. He's given you everything pertaining to life and godliness. And while there is certain people called to be different, we're all different. You're not made to be like me. I'm made to be like me. Uh, But we are all called and encouraged, invited to uh, grow in the prophetic anointing, grow in the prophetic gifts. And don't ever get in your mind, well, because I don't feel like I'm called to be in the office of prophet, that my gift will be somehow limited. The people standing in the office of prophet are not necessarily great, more greatly gifted than others. You could have the most incredibly accurate gifts coming from somebody who isn't called to be a prophet at all. Um, And the fact that they have a brilliant gift or that they are prophesying really powerfully doesn't mean then, oh, well, you must be a prophet. So uh, so I just wanted to clear that up. And I would really encourage you through the day just to, if you've got any questions, just to write them down. And I'd love to be able to answer your questions uh, later this afternoon. We'll have a, a little Q&A. Or if you have a question in the middle of what I'm saying, I'm not preaching, I'm teaching. So feel free just to raise your hand. And if, I, if we have the capacity to... Um, and it's appropriate at the time to answer your question. Really happy to do that because really do want you to learn uh, along the way. So is that good? Excellent. Hallelujah. So was anybody not here Thursday night? Hello, darlings. Good to see you. God bless you. Um, so I, I did, I don't know if we recorded it Thursday night. We did. 
if it, it, I could I encourage you to get that because I went through a lot of really foundational um, ABCs of the prophetic. Uh, so I really would encourage you to, to have a listen to that if you would um, because I'm going to go on from that this morning. Um, but we talked about the revelatory gifts. We talked about it from a, a biblical perspective. And... Um, and the different types of prophets. We talked about the importance of intimacy. If you're not receiving love, you can't give it away. And to the measure that you love yourself is the measure that you will love others with. And if you're critical and judgmental of yourself, you're going to be a critical and judgmental minister. You're going to minister prophetically with an, a critical and a judgmental edge. If you love yourself as God loves you, which is a pretty intense love... If you can see yourself how God sees you, when God sees you as crucified with him, raised up with him, and absolutely altogether lovely, perfect, beautiful in his sight, you have to be because you couldn't be joined to God if you weren't. To the level that you will agree with what God believes about you and enter into a true heartfelt belief about that, that's the level to which your gift will really be a blessing. Because until you believe, utterly believe, and this is what I love about Sarah, she applies everything she's learned. I've had the privilege of mentoring Sarah probably for six years now, and she, everything I teach her, every, she's applied to now that she's just stunning. In fact, she'll remind me about things I've been teaching just with her lifestyle. And um, so... And, and so I'll say, oh, Sarah, you're so beautiful. She'll go, yes, I know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I love you. <laughs> and it's not arrogant at all. There's not a tinge of it. She's so humble. But she, the reason she's so beautiful and prophesies so powerfully with so much love is because she believes. She believes what God says about her. And, and that is something you've just got to get over yourself you really do. If you feel uncomfortable with the fact that God thinks you are unbelievably beautiful, perfectly pure, that you have the motives of Christ, that you are patience personified, that you are kindness himself, to the level that you believe that is the cap that you put on your own gifting, on your own capacity to transform lives. Because that is the, that's the ceiling that you will be able to love others with. We love one another as we love ourselves, right? So pursue love and eagerly desire the gifts. But pursue love. Pursue him because he is love and his love for you. It's not selfish to go and get as much love as you can handle and then pray for more spiritual strength from the Holy Spirit to handle more. Because the more you pursue being loved by God, loving him and being loved, we love because he first loved us. And the more you go after it, like, I just need to be loved. I've had that sometimes. I've been like praying, oh, and nothing's, it's just, I'm not satisfying until I finally cry out, what do I want, God? And he'll say, you want to be loved? Like, yes, this is what I want. <sighs> when I acknowledge that and then just let him love me, Everything comes into right perspective, and that's where we become safe. You are not safe until you let God love you to the place you can't handle it. You're just not. 
because with the same judgment you judge yourself, you'll judge others. And if you see yourself as beautiful, as pure, as holy, as having the motives of Christ, as being the righteousness of God in Christ, literally, absolutely, practically, unless you believe that about yourself, you will, you've got no hope about believing that about anybody else. And you will not represent who God is. So that's the number one most important thing. Hallelujah. Pursue love. Go get it. It's delicious. Hallelujah. Better than coffee, better than chocolate. <sighs> Shakaba. Hallelujah. Anyway, so that's a little summary. Hallelujah. Oh, and that prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Hallelujah. That Jesus is the center. He's the, uh, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So if Jesus, who manifested himself to every person every time they came to him, he manifested himself as... The answer, very good, Carter. Every time someone came to him with a problem, without fail, in Scripture, we can only base our understanding of Christ on Scripture. Every time someone came to him as a problem, he manifested himself as the answer. The testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. Jesus, the answer, must be in the middle of every single prophetic word. If you hear someone prophesying and they're just giving words of knowledge that make them look good and there's no Jesus the answer in it, be careful. It may be an immature gift and it may not be healthy because Jesus the answer needs to be at the, at the middle of every prophetic word. It's the testimony of who he is. So that's why I talk about prophetic words often being made up of a word of knowledge, a word of prophecy, and a word of wisdom. You could have a word of knowledge. I see that you're going through a really hard time. And move on to the next person. You haven't helped anybody. You know, I see that when you were a child, you had a blue teddy bear. They might think you're wonderful. What a great gift. But if Jesus, the answer, hasn't been included in the word, how has it really helped them? So that's why I believe. I mean, it can be um, a door to share the gospel, but then you're sharing Jesus, the answer, and that's awesome. But if you don't go on, all you're doing is exalting yourself and showing off your gift. So I believe it's important you keep looking until you get Jesus the answer for them, in whatever form that might be. So in prophetic evangelism, you had a blue teddy bear when you were a child, is an awesome door to be able to share Jesus the answer. How do you know that? Well, Jesus knows everything about you. Let me tell you how much he loves you. But do you understand the difference? So words of knowledge are awesome and powerful, but they need to be coupled with Jesus, the answer. The revelatory gifts altogether should be uh, pursued. Amen? That's just my opinion, but hallelujah. Um, so Jesus, the answer. Jesus is the middle. Hallelujah. And, um, and it's got to be done in love. Oh, it's got to be done in love. You never speak harshly in delivery remember I told the story about the delivery how important it is with the you're one quarter anointed story um three quarters unanointed not the way to deliver a word but that, that God wants to increase it threefold is where we want to is is the better way to deliver a word that we deliver it with always with hope hallelujah amen 
Praise the Lord. Did anyone have any quick questions from Thursday night? If not, then we'll, um, or if you want to think about it and ask us later, that's fine. I also handed out this um, form. Some of you may have brought it with you. I'm just going to quickly, as quickly as I can, go through it. This is not, um, this is just a basic sort of outline. We are working as a prophetic council to do up our own um, set of protocols and guidelines, but... This is, so this was put together by John Paul Jackson and James Goll and Bobby Connor and a few others um, as just some basic protocols. A lot of the prophetic has been thrown out of churches because it has been misused and abused. And so it is really important with the prophetic gift. It's not something that's an optional extra. We need this. God wants us all to prophesy. He wants the prophetic in the churches. But he also wants us to be doing it with honor and wisdom. We talked about the real importance, the absolute importance of the prophetic working within the context of Christian community in accountability with apostles and teachers and pastors and evangelists, that that the prophetic gift should be mentored. It should be... um, to get it, it's very important that we don't isolate ourselves and go, I alone am left. You know, I'm the only one, no one understands my gift. I mean, that's rubbish. Elijah had that complex, I alone am left. And God smiles and says, Actually, I've got like thousands. Um, but anyway, <laughs> and they seek to take my life. Yeah, whatever. Let me just tell you, I've got thousands over there. Let's just have some sleep and some food and we'll talk again. So sleep is good. I'm all into healthy balance. Get enough. I've got such zealous people at home. They're so beautiful. I have to tell them sometimes, I love that you're praying all night. But you know what? Remember Evan Roberts? We're going to have a long-term revival. And, you know, as zealous as you are, sleep is good. You know, get sleep, eat food, do exercise, still have normal life, and you can do Jesus in the middle of all of it. Hallelujah. Yes, you can turn it off. (laughs) Um, And so that's an important thing too. Sometimes prophets can get so caught up that they forget to be normal. You know, don't make it weird. Don't be weird. I don't like weird prophets. (laughs) Just, you know, don't get so caught up in yourself and your gifting that you enter in. I'm just going to find prophets and we're all just going to be prophetic and, you know, like, uh, chill out a little bit. Hallelujah. And be normal. Eat food. (laughs) Sleep. Exercise. Okay. And talk to people with love, not so caught up in yourself that you're not seeing them and communicating as they need to hear. Hallelujah. Amen. Shakaba. All right. So I, I would encourage you to read through this properly, but we'll go through just very briefly. I'll go from uh, just the, the points concerning uh, beliefs and practices. Um, number one, the Bible as the perfect revelation of Jesus and the infallible word of God is the absolute standard for weighing and assessing all revelation. Amen. While I treasure spiritual experiences from the Holy Spirit, I will not place subjective experiences and discernment above the Bible. 
there's scripture there. Remember, even if an angel comes to you and says, preaches another gospel, I don't care if they have a name and they've given you a feather and you can bring it to class. If they aren't preaching the same gospel that's in the book, then you need to reject it because there is real spiritual stuff. Absolutely real spiritual stuff. Just because it's real doesn't mean that it's God. Lots of cults have been started because angels have come and preached another gospel. Think Joseph Smith, Mormons. Um, we've got to be really wise, really, really careful. So we line everything up according to the will of God, according to the word of God. Now, you might have a really out there prophetic encounter. but And if you don't understand it, don't go, oh, my gosh, you know, I know how real that was. I, but talk to somebody that you trust about it. So I do that. Sometimes I have experiences that are beyond my theology. And so I'm like, whoa. But I'll talk to trusted people about it, other prophets, and I'll say, look, I had this really weird encounter. And they can then tell me, all right, well, let's look at that biblically. This is why. And when I see it at biblically, I go, oh, that's so good. <laughs> I feel so safe. Hallelujah. Um, it's so important that we don't do this on our own because the enemy seeks to separate us and to uh, make us believe that we're the only ones. You know, So don't believe that. It's not true. Find someone safe who can process things. You are, you've got such brilliant leadership here, brilliant leadership here, who love so well, and nothing will surprise them. Hallelujah. And they have the capacity to, to help you see biblically uh, when something's good. And I have seen Christians. Like I had, um, I had one dear lady come to me. She and her husband were trying to hear the voice, follow the voice of God. But they'd been listening to this voice that was really dictating to them, you need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do this. Until finally, they're like, you, you know, they're hearing the voice, you can't even go home tonight, don't go home tonight. And they'd be sleeping in their car. And they came to me and they had a book full of all these instructions. And I, the Lord told me to go to this pastor and tell him, you know, this and this and this. And, then, and they weren't mad people. They were like normal. But they had been listening to this voice they, they thought was a prophetic voice, was the voice of the Holy Spirit. I, I, read, I looked at their book. I heard their story. I went, you are listening to a familiar spirit. And the reason I was able to quickly identify it as a familiar spirit uh, it was be, and a familiar spirit dresses itself up as the voice of God. I said, the reason I can tell you this is a familiar spirit is this is not the way the Lord leads people. He doesn't demand and dictate through fear. Got to do this or this will happen. If you're feeling, if you're hearing stuff like that, that is not the kindness of God. God leads us lovingly and kindly. You, you, as you get to know him, as you, as you know him through the word of God, God's not a dictator. He's not giving you scary instructions. If you don't wear that color today, something terrible is going to happen. It's the devil. Okay? So um, be, you can know that because that's not the way God speaks. Hallelujah. I hope this is helpful. I will not allow my emotions or pride to rob me of utilizing, my, utilizing the Bible as my standard for weighing a revelation and any interpretation I may attach to a revelation. Someone says, I have higher wisdom, higher, we've gone beyond the Bible. Run away. Run away. Because 
I, I doubt that even any of you are fully utilizing everything that's in the Bible already. You don't need more revelation than what's in the Bible. The Bible is the full revelation of God, and he's the fullness of everything. who fills all in all, and yeah, you can't go beyond him. I will always speak a Bible-centric message. If it doesn't reflect the character, the nature of Christ, as he is revealed in the Bible, then you need to stay away. So you're never going to give a word, God's angry with you and he hates you. <laughs> no, it's not Bible-centric. It's rubbish. If anybody gives you a word that makes you fearful or afraid, then you can know instantly that's not God. Because if it's come with a, with a, a if it brings fear that's unholy and unholy fear, you can know God is love and perfect love casts out fear. It doesn't introduce it. I've had, I've had people do that. And, and you know, I've had people manip- try to manipulate me with their prophetic. It's so sad. Thank God for my, uh, the grace of God and my love for, for him and, and the prophetic that I, you know, if I, I could have gotten really cynical about the prophetic otherwise. I've had someone prophesy once, the Lord says you're going to give me $10,000. Like, and at the time I was like, yes, amen, because I had $70 in my bank account. I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> I want to be able to do that. Um, but it wasn't holy. It was manipulative. But at the time, I was still innocent. Like, yeah, that's awesome. That means I'm going to have $10,000 to be able to give. You know, and I'm grateful that God was able to keep my heart sweet. But there, there is misuses and abuses. It doesn't mean that we reject the prophetic because some people have misrepresented him badly. There's been some bad teachers and there's been some bad prophets. We don't, re- we don't reject teachers and we don't reject pastors and evangelists because there's been some bad apples. Amen. I will seek to draw all who hear me toward a greater relationship with the Father through Jesus and to make the name of Jesus known in a biblical way. God values his word as the expression of his name and nature. Therefore, we hold truth as a necessity in prophecy. I will always try not to only speak truth, but to speak prophetic words in a way that reflects the loving heart of God. I'll determine to always lovingly speak prophetic correction in such a way as to avoid condemnation toward those who receive the prophetic word. And we don't have a ministry of correction, uh, but if there is some gentle correction, it's done in such a way that it doesn't bring shame or embarrassment or condemnation. You don't publicly shame people, right? I will always intend to communicate hope for change through the transforming power of Jesus. Actually, back on B, I get a little bit annoyed when prophets... Um, are publicly bringing just a, a little correction to people because it makes me feel like they think themselves a little bit better than that person. I, I think if you're going to bring any form of correction publicly, it should be done privately rather than publicly. And it should always be done with humility, recognizing, you know, have I got any logs in my own eye and done with their, past, with their pastoral authority with you. Because uh, you don't go into a place and just start telling people. It's easy to see. It's easy to see the issues and problems and, you know, um, character flaws. Don't take the assumption that you're there to correct everybody. Um, It's the goodness and kindness of God that leads us to uh, um, 
leads us to repentance. I've often found the Lord direct me to pray for somebody that's been right at their back and give them the most wonderful word that people in the room would be thinking, oh my gosh, they don't, that's nothing like them. And watch them, their hearts absolutely blossom because I've called out the destiny, who they are meant to be. And they've responded to that. Whereas if I'd called out, I see that you, you know, you've been backslidden for four years and da 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 and you're in this state, da 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 da. And if it, you know, all it does is reaffirm their own beliefs about themselves and what they believe about themselves is what they'll manifest. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we need to change people's thinking about themselves. So the prophetic is actually calling them up into a higher place, not sealing them with their current state. Amen? Anyway, that's my, not everybody agrees with me, so feel free to disagree, but just don't prophesy in my church any other way than that. <laughs> Hallelujah. And this is part of our church. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm a little bit fierce about God's people. A shepherd. Um, I, will always, I will intend to always communicate hope for change through the transforming power of Jesus. I commit to reflect the nature of my God loving, by loving people more than my gift. We talked about that the other night. You don't have to show off with your gift. You give them what's going to love them. Amen? You might see incredible things, but if God just wants you to share that he loves them, then that's what's going to help them the most. Prophecy is a word from God. I will try to speak it with both humility and confidence. While fearing, so don't apologize for giving a word. <laughs> you know, share it with the, with the confidence of Christ, but with godly humility, not like, I'm so awesome and I'm going to give you a word, poor little person. You know, that's just yucky. That, all that does is make them feel bad about themselves. We want to build them up and encourage, exhort, edify. Amen? I, I commit, to call, uh, commit to God's call on my life to proclaim the ways and will of God ahead of the success of my ministry in the eyes of, the man, of man or the church. I believe that, the, that prophetic accuracy is essential. I believe that the method and manner of delivery, the heart of a prophecy, is also important. I understand that voicing words from God is a responsibility not to be taken lightly. I aspire to have 100% accuracy in all I say. So don't say too much. Don't have a whole lot of hamburger helper in your prophetic word because you feel like, oh, well, you know, I had like this one little sentence and I feel like I need to add more. Don't add, don't add. Just say what you're hearing. Amen. Um, I understand that voicing, uh, excuse me, I will admit when I am wrong and take steps to acknowledge, repent and make restitution for my error in a prophecy or its delivery in a manner appropriate to correct the error and the reason for the error. So you take responsibility for it. Amen. So if you get up on Sunday and you prophesy, in two weeks this is going to happen and in two weeks it doesn't happen, own it. Um, you know, we can make mistakes. A false prophet is not someone who gives an inaccurate prophecy. A false prophet is somebody that's mo motivated by the wrong motives. So if you've got sweet motives and you miss it, just own it. And uh, don't then withdraw and never prophesy again. Uh, but, but maintain love, humility, and community. Amen? 
Um, repentance and restitution must be appropriate to my sphere of influence and the scope of the prophetic word. So if I get on the Elijah list and I announce, tomorrow this is going to happen and it doesn't happen, then I need to get on the Elijah list the next day and say, I was wrong. Um, but if I give it personally to somebody and I was wrong, then I personally apologize and I apologize to their pastor as well. Um, if I do give an errant, an errant prophecy, I commit to full repentance. This will include an apology. If I gave the prophecy to a private party, my apology must be to that party. If the prophecy was given to a group such as a church or the public, the apology must be given to that group. Biblical repentance does not mean saying I'm sorry only to God, but also to those I've hurt. Most importantly, I must communicate that I'm deeply concerned about the harm I've done or the hurt I've inflicted, and I'll do whatever else is needed to help heal the wounds I've caused. With the help of wise counsel, I will seek to find if there is anything in my heart that caused this error and deal with it through confession, repentance, and action. I commit to continuing in accountability to a safe and loving authority whom I believe will support me and help me walk in integrity. I will not remove myself from this process, even if painful to me, or it seems that those to whom I am accountable are not treating me fairly. I believe there are consequences to all actions. If my error is particularly serious or repeated, I'll be willing to take time off from prophetic ministry until I and those in authority over me have discerned that I'm ready to resume ministry. Concerning supernatural manifestations, I will not substitute the seeking of angels, angelic activity, or other supernatural manifestations over the seeking of God, his presence, and the truths contained in scripture. The source of all hope is the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is sounding really tough. I don't mean to be scary, but I'm um, just... Is this good? I believe that the character of Christ in me is more important to the kingdom than my gift. It is the application and manifestation of God's word in my life. I will not fall prey to idolatry by seeking to generate, initiate, or exaggerate supernatural manifestations, no matter what may be expected by the church culture in which I speak. That's really good. That's very freeing, isn't it? You don't have to make, you don't have to make it sound better than it is. Um, likewise, I endeavor to allow the Holy Spirit to initiate how and when he releases supernatural manifestations or ministry through me. That's a big one. You know, that we do everything under the Lordship of Christ. So I, I said, you know, with the, I, I went to Vanuatu and Bougainville and stuff. I do that at the initiation of the Holy Spirit following his lead. I don't go, oh, I'd like to do this, and so I'll do that. Because my will is submitted to the will of the Father. Amen? And everything I do, I do in him, with him, as my Lord, as my Savior, as the King. So I do everything under his lordship, under his initiation. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Amen? So uh, there are teachings around that you can just do whatever you want. You can. You are free. You're a spiritual being. You can do whatever you like. But there are things that you shouldn't do. And, in fact, there's nothing we should do that, doesn't, that shouldn't be submitted to his lordship. That, you know, we should always be in him, with him, moving as one in a beautiful dance. Amen? Not leading the dance. Have you ever seen a bride and a... A bridegroom, if you imagine the bride trying to lead the waltz, you know, be stepping on each other's feet. We're the bride, he's the bridegroom, we'll follow his lead, amen, and it'll be beautiful. Um, where am I up to? 
Um, six, understanding a prophetic word is vital to its implementation. Therefore, I commit to being open to discuss with appropriate leaders within the body of Christ the prophetic words I receive and interpretations of these words. I'll endeavor to do so because prophetic um, gifts are given to serve the people, not to promote the one who prophesies. Words from God should encourage, train, and equip the body of Christ to conform to the image of Christ. I'll endeavor to always help the body of Christ perceive the person of Christ more clearly and to hunger for him and his ways. Ephesians 4 ministries are to equip the body of Christ to receive, develop, and mature rather than to cultivate an audience of spectators for our gifting. Amen. Thus, we hold in high regard the priesthood of each believer in Christ. I commit to preaching sound doctrine rather than dividing the body of Christ through non-scriptural doctrines designed to amaze my audience and develop a following. Here, here. I will not use the gift God has given me in a reckless manner that might cause others to stumble or misunderstand God and his ways. I commit to help Christian leaders and trainers discern between the operation of God-given spiritual gifts and human psychic abilities. I commit to train, help train the body of Christ to discern between true Holy Spirit-inspired revelation and mere human intuition, New Age pseudo-spirituality or psychic abilities. I will intentionally try to communicate revelation and the interpretation of revelation in ways that encourage, strengthen and comfort the recipient of the word. I'll seek to avoid prophesying anything that controls or manipulates the lives of others. That's hugely important. If someone comes to you and says, the Lord says that you're to marry me, tell them to go jump. Hallelujah. No, no, don't do that. Tell them to go talk to David Ridley. Oh, <laughs> he'll sort them out. <laughs> so ladies, if you get a guy, come and say, the Lord has given me a dream that you are to marry me. You say, let me just record that and take it to David or to Ruth or to Mark, or to Christine. They will fiercely protect you, won't you? <laughs> and they will help them kindly and strongly. Hallelujah. Um, 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 uh, concerning my life in representing... Oh, excuse me. I will not lead people to believe that the prophetic word will be triggered or influenced by a gift. Um, Accepting honorariums, gifts, or travel remuneration is acceptable. This is different than prophesying for an agreed amount of money and is equivalent to a pastor receiving a salary. So we don't, we don't set up booths and say, I'll give you, you know, give me $50, I'll give you a word. Seriously. Not okay. But we honor. Hallelujah. We can, you know, it's beautiful. So you understand the difference. Concerning my life in representing Christ Jesus prophetically, I commit to living, modeling, and championing the character of Christ. I believe Christ-like character is to be more important than operating out of gifting. I choose to consistently promote and model the ways of Christ more than simply communicate revelation. When it comes to representing Christ Jesus, I believe that I not only have a message, but that I am the message. I believe that wisdom from above... So if you've got an amazingly gifted person, and in, in private they're arrogant, annoying people, not good, run away. Um, I, uh, I <laughs> run away. <laughs> um, I believe that wisdom from above is reasonable and peaceable. I will place high value on Christ-like humility and shun prophetic arrogance. Yeah. I commit to having an accountability group in place to whom I will hold my lifestyle, marriage, and ministry accountable. 
I commit to living a life free from substance abuse, love of money, extramarital sex, pornography, pride, unforgiveness, bitterness. I commit to living out God's high value of love and covenant emotional, emotionally, spiritually, and physically with my, the spouse of my youth to the best of my ability. Hallelujah. I will guard my heart and make a covenant with my eyes not to look upon another in a lustful manner. I believe that the character of Christ in me is more important to me than... Oh, no. Where am I? At the end. On the back. Is this helpful? I commit to being free from both the love of money and the love of appearing successful in the eyes of man. I commit to choosing venues to host my ministry based on the leading of the Holy Spirit as opposed to the size of the crowd or financial remuneration. I commit to not being, uh, to being not only a person of prayer and worship but a continual student of the Bible and the ways of God. I commit to honor the Lord by honoring and strengthening his delegated authority in the body of Christ. I'll honor and strengthen local pastors and church leaders as God-appointed shepherds and gatekeepers for their local congregations. I will not usurp the authority of the local leadership in the body where I'm called to speak. Very important. Don't get up on Sunday and say, the Lord says that we all need to have a fire tunnel right now. It might be what you're sensing, but you're not the appointed delegated authority in the room at the time. If you're not the leader, don't presume that you're prophet. Don't don't take over or usurp authority. Never, ever. Um, so I've, I've had people try to do that. And they've not been badly motivated. They've just not understood. They're like, I'm sensing that we need to do this now. And I'll just smile and I'll, I'll say, that's lovely. But what, what we're going to do is this. We might do that later maybe. Because they aren't the delegated authority I am. Do you understand? So it's really important, you know, if you're really feeling like, I really feel we need to do this, whisper it quietly to them and accept it even if they say, no, I'm feeling not to do that. Okay? Because we're working as a team and God wants us to be under authority. There are certain things, ministries and people around at the moment that are really um, anti-church, anti-authority, and what they do in when they are making you uh, feel anti-authority, anti-establishment, anti-church, uh, by, by sowing seeds of anti-authority, they're taking you out of the safety of being under authority because those under authority have authority, right? And if they take you out of that and then expose you to the second heaven and all the spiritual realms, you are in all sorts of strife because you don't carry the authority and the safety of being in that glorious place of being connected healthily in a body and in accountability. Amen? I'm pretty strong on this uh, because I've seen it. I've had, <laughs> I was just counseling somebody else the other day who's been engaging with this sort of stuff um, and been poisoned against authority. And they're like, I've got, I'm dealing with warlocks coming after me and this and that. And I'm like, surprise, surprise. You know why you're having a hard time and almost going mad is because you have, you're, 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 you're out there on your own. If you're under authority, you have authority. Hallelujah. And you stay in the place of peace. Shakaba. Hallelujah. Um, I will honor, uh, I, I commit to perceiving myself as a servant to both the church at large and the local church as God gives me opportunity. I will not view congregations and other ministries as mere platforms or tools to facilitate my vision and calling. 
I will not steal another leader's people or leadership in order to build my ministry. Don't go into another church and say, hey, come with me. You know, that's really not cool either. You know, on it, you're there to serve and to build the church always. If you're going in and ministering somewhere else, you need to so be honouring that leadership. If you can't honour them, don't go in. Hallelujah. I commit to financial, ethical and moral purity and will not use the body of Christ to advance my ministry nor build my own empire. My endeavor is to imitate Jesus' example of servanthood and only do as I see the Father doing. The nature of authentic prophetic ministry is Bible-centric. Bear witness, uh, expose, declare, and establish the truth of Scripture. Salvation-centric, declare, teach, and demonstrate the gospel of the kingdom of God with signs and wonders following. Jesus-centric, edify, comfort, encourage, and exhort believers in the church in the way to Jesus as well as the way of Jesus. God-centric, demonstrate in word, deed, and manner the character of the Father. Love, righteousness, justice, compassion, mercy, majesty, holiness. Sovereignty-centric, bring glory to God alone. His name, his acts, his glory are inseparable. He exercises his will through his omniscience, uh, omnipotence, omnipresence, immutability, and and eternality as he chooses. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, I hope that is helpful. I've got lots and lots I want to share with you. Um, but we are also going to hear from Sarah this morning. And then I'm go- I've, got, oh, I've got so much I want to share with you. Um, let me just in these last five minutes or so uh, just go through a few things. Hallelujah. Mostly um, the prophetic word is made up of revelation interpretation and application and so we get a revelation uh, and that might be your vision your sense whatever it is the first thing you get it might be a picture it might be a sense it might be hearing something that's the revelation then we have the interpretation of what that means and then we have the application of how that's to be applied in that person's life Uh, So that's what a a good word looks like, revelation, interpretation, application. Where people often miss it and mess it up is in interpretation. Um, So often the the revelation is right, but the interpretation or the delivery is wrong. Uh, We need the Holy Spirit in every aspect of the prophetic. So when we get the revelation, we... Like Sarah shared beautifully last night, we don't assume what the interpretation is, but we lean on the Holy Spirit. In him we live and move and have our being. We need him all the time. Ask him, just as you're looking with an expectation to get a revelation, look with an expectation to get interpretation, knowing that interpretations belong to God. Remember what Joseph said when, the, when Pharaoh said, I hear you can interpret dreams. He said, it's not in me. But God will give me the answer. Interpretations belong to God. So interpretations belong to God. We need to look to him for the interpretation. Uh, That's why it's good when someone's prophesying over you to record it. So that if if there's a little bit of confusion about it, uh, you can go back to it and, you know, talk with them, talk with your leaders. Don't ever suffer with a prophetic word that's giving you distress. We can go back to the revelation A, they could have missed it. They could have messed it up. Even if they've got it right thousands of times, they can still mess it up. Uh, So they might have missed it. 
or they might have just completely misinterpreted um, the, the revelation. So, uh, so that's important. We can talk more about that. And we, it's good to, um, to process words with, uh, with your leaders and in, in prophetic counsel because there's often layers to things too. So that's why I like to record it. If I, if I get the time to write it out, uh, I put it in my playlist like uh, Sarah shared last night. So they pop up and I memorize them. I speak them out. I pray them. First Timothy 1.18, the Bible says, Wage warfare, therefore, my son Timothy, with the prophetic words spoken over you, that you may not suffer shipwreck as some have. And that we, the prophetic word is given to us not as an invitation, not an inevitability. So prophecy is not an inevitability. It's an invitation generally. So if someone prophesies, the Lord says this, 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 and this, that's an invitation to you. If it, if it agrees with you, you, you weigh it. You don't have to receive everything that someone prophesies. If it doesn't sit right with you, toss it. Um, but if it sits right, wage warfare with it. I've done that. Um, I remember when the Lord spoke to me, back when I was 23 about um, that I was going to be preaching and showing me visions of fireballs going over crowds and people getting healed and preaching the gospel. Uh, and, and he spoke to me personally, privately, over and over again. He said, in your 30th year, I'm going to release you into ministry. And he showed it through me through the life of David, through Joseph, through Jesus. And I was like, yes. Um, and then my 30th year came, and I had, like, the worst year I'd had. And I was doing less than I ever was. And so nine days before I turned 31, I just said to God, I remembered those words that he gave me personally, privately, in my journal. And I just started to wage war with them. I said, God, you said, you said in my 30th year this would happen. So... I'm holding you to your word. You said, and I really got strong with it. I said, you said, and I waged war with the word. And that day, as I'm waging war, the Lord says, I want you to get up and go to this conference. So I did. Sat next to somebody uh, at the conference who was uh, quite a well-known minister. And they said, can we have lunch? I said, sure. And they said, you know, I've just felt the Holy Spirit tell me really strongly to take you with me when I, when I minister to train you up and to release you into ministry? And I said, yep, that sounds right. <laughs> and I, but, you know, I think God was waiting for me to start waging war with the invitation. So I think it's really important that we understand uh, it's good to wage war with the prophetic words spoken over us. We don't we don't force it or manipulate it. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that, God willing, this afternoon, about what to do with prophetic words. Uh, uh, but that's, uh, that's an important thing too. Hallelujah. Well, I'm not going to take any more of your time because we want to hear from the beautiful Miss, Mrs. Cheeseman. Hallelujah. God bless you. Please write down any questions you've had and um, we'll do some more this afternoon. Hallelujah. Here she comes. God bless you.